is that as soon as we say amen in about 35 to 75 minutes, <laughs> just a small window, you know, as soon as we say amen, we get to go out and, and continue this fellowship, continue the, the community, getting to know each other, building relationships with the barbecue. And so I hope that all of you are um, planning to stay. If, you, if, this, if you're just hearing about this or you didn't plan to stay, plan to stay. Um, we've got burgers and dogs and water slide and bounce house and cornhole and nine square and a whole bunch of fun stuff. So, or you could just sit at the picnic table in the shade and relax. And uh, yes, Dave and I will be leading that group, okay? So if you want to be in the group that just sits and relaxes, Dave and I, you'll find us under the, under the tent. So, so, so that, uh, just an invitation to stay. And um, we're going to have a great time. Every year it's, it's fun, and, uh, and we need enough of you to stay to help clean up anyway, so um, please stay. And it's open-ended, so, um, so yeah, right after service. Um, another invitation. Last week, if you were here, we talked about, you know, I, I kind of talked a little bit about my trip to Russia. And I just want to say that those teams, those trips that, that go to Russia are open for anybody to go. And so here's the invitation. I want you to come to Russia with us. I want you to come see what God's doing in Russia. And I want you to be a part of uh, and the excitement of getting to know the Russian Christians who are grinding it out in a country that is be, they're, they're being told they can't do what they're doing. So if you want to go meet an unreached people group, a truly an unreached people group, who, who, who is, is fighting to, to serve and love Jesus, come to Russia. There's two teams. There's a team scheduled to go in November. It's too late. You can't go because visas, you will not get a visa this quick. But there'll be a team going in March. And I, um, I'm going to try to go in March. Um, we will not be doing river rafting in Siberia in March. <laughs> promise you. You'll stay in a hotel almost the, every night, with the exception of about two nights. But if you want to go to Russia in March, talk to me. I want, I want you guys to come and experience what God's doing and, and to... to um, to see what's happening. We're going to talk a little bit about that more next week. Um, for free, not part of the manuscript, not part of the sermon, I just wanted to point out a couple things about the last couple songs that we sang for worship. Did, did anybody like receive or was able to just really engage? I, I, I heard I, from up front I could hear engagement. Here, here's, here's a couple things. That, that one song... Um, not the last one, the one before. <laughs> yes, thank you. Think about the, what we sang there. We sang about our identity as we come in to the family of God, as we receive Jesus, and, and, we're, and because of, of what Jesus did on the cross for us, we, we are free to enter back into intimate relationship with the Father. Think about that. Isn't that powerful? That is powerful, and, and, and if, 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 you, if you're a person that has trouble connecting with that, I'm, I'm just going to encourage you to press in today, okay? I'm going to encourage you that, that whatever is said in the next 35 to 75 minutes, um, I'll, I'll just run with that timeline, um, press into, am I a child of God? 
Am I a child of God? The, 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 la- the second one on that last song, um, it said something like, when we arrive at eternity shore, death is just a memory, tears are no more. And he said, his bri- did it say, his bride will come together and will sing. The bride will come together and sing. And, I'm, and I, I hear that. And, I, and, you know, as I'm sitting up here, I know that you guys are sitting back there. And I think this is the bride. We are the bride. We are who the groom is coming back for. And I, and I think about what that means, that we have some ugly stuff about us. We have some, some beautiful things about us. But, but as God's children, we're one. And, and what I hear with that is I hear a lot of things like, I need to embrace God's children. As one, as a child of God, I need to embrace those that are around me because we are the bride. It's not just me. It's his church. It's his church here in this building. It's his church throughout Warsaw, Indiana, United States, and so forth. And so I just, I, to me, those are powerful, those are powerful theological words that we sang. And, and, we, and we don't try to theologically filter every single song, but there's, there's power in that. So just sit in that, Okay. Here's a verse that you guys have seen many times here at Branches. Matthew 28:19. It says, "Therefore go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit." And then I forgot to add verse 20 which says, "Teach these new disciples to obey all I have commanded you." And I and I wonder in these verses, you know, we say these verses often, they're part of our mission statement here at Branches. I mean, making disciples is, is part of the vision, part of what, we, what we're set out to do, part of what we believe God's told us to do. And I wonder if we were to take a poll and say, what does it actually mean to make a disciple? How many of us could actually answer that? Or would that, is that kind of an ambiguous term that we throw out there, but we just don't quite grasp, what does it mean to make a disciple? And, and I'll tell you that I'll, I'd be one that would be like, yeah, I'm not 100% what that means. I think I have an idea, but I'm not 100%. So we could be honest with ourselves, and, and you might say, yeah, I really don't know what that means. We talk about it, but I don't know what that means. Because of that, I, another question comes into my mind. Does, do I know what it is for me to be a disciple? Do, do I really know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And so these are two questions I'd like us to kind of explore today is, what does it mean to ma- actually make disciples? But before we can make disciples, we probably need to be disciples. So, what, so it makes sense, right? So, um, so what does it mean to be a disciple? And, and, and I want us to, as we just kind of walk through three little simple points, um, to be asking yourself as we hit each point, is, is this true about my life? And then ask yourself, Am I doing this with other people? Is other people happening that, you know? And so here's kind of a, a running definition or just a fr- statement on being a disciple that I came across this week. And it says this, the Christian disciple completely adheres to the teachings of Jesus, makes Christ's number one priority, makes Christ his number one, his or her number one priority, and lives accordingly. And he or she is actively involved in making other Christian disciples. Those are words. Those are words. We could just sit on those. But what does that mean? What does it mean? And so when I think of a disciple, I think of maybe a, a, an intern 
or an apprentice or somebody that is being taught what I already know, somebody that, somebody that I'm teaching along. And I think about maybe back in history, dads taught their kids the trade that they, were, that they did. My dad used to have to work on cars with my uncle in our driveway. And um, as a little boy, I think my mom would shove me out the door and tell my dad, let, Tom, let Tommy be a part of what you're doing. And I can remember one specific time, I know, I know for a fact, everything else I think is a lie, but one specific time, I was, my, parent, my uncle and my dad were changing the clutch on this truck, and I grabbed a wrench, and I started just loosening bolts, like around the fender, and, you know, because it was the old school truck where everything just kind of bolted on, and, and I remember loosening bolts and tightening bolts and loosening bolts and tightening bolts. That's what I remember. What my dad will tell you is that I would strip out the... Um, <laughs> I would strip out the um, cross thread and strip out the, the nut at the, in the oil pan when you change the oil. And so my mom, you know, encouraged my dad, teach, teach our son how to work on cars. And then my dad would spend hours having to chase down special threaded bolts to fix the problems that I made. Or, you know, or the, the one that I snapped off because I was just, I had to torque it on, you know. And so, so this apprenticeship, this teaching, when I think of discipleship, this is the kind of thing I think of. Here's what Jesus said about being a disciple. He said this to his disciples. He says, if any of you want to f- be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. And some translations say, take up your cross daily and follow me. And I think about that verse, and that's a pretty heavy verse. Because when I, when I say, if I want to be a disciple of Jesus... It's going to take self-denial. But probably greater than self-denial, it's going to take self-sacrifice. And when I'm self-sacrificing, it means I'm giving up anything that I consider to be a right in my life. So if, if somebody says something and I get bent out of shape about it, do I have a right to because I'm a, I've, I've self-denied, I've self-sacrificed, daily to follow Jesus. If I want to do this in my life and achieve this for my life, but I know God is calling me this way, and as a follower of him, I've self-denied and self-sacrificed. I have to deny some of my desires and my will in order to follow Jesus. And that's a pretty heavy verse, right? Isn't there some verses that you read in the Bible that just scare the living poop out of you? I've cleaned it up in a few years. I used to say a different word. Poo-poo. Thanks, thanks, Jack. There's some verses that when I read them, I get scared. They freak me out. Here's a verse that I, whenever I hear this verse, and it has to do with being a disciple, it freaks me out. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. Here's the part that's scary. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Does that freak you out? Because what that tells me is that sometimes my idea of being a disciple for Jesus is not what it is. 
It, I mean, you think about if, if, you, if we had somebody with a demon here and we prayed over them and that demon left, we would all go, those people must be disciples of Jesus. But Jesus is saying that's not necessarily the, the truth. If I gave a word of prophecy and said, the Lord said, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a disciple of Jesus. There's a statement that people use about, you know, being a, standing in a garage, you're not necessarily a car. I don't like that. I like to say, if I'm go stand in my kitchen or in a kitchen, it doesn't necessarily make me a chef. Right, Andrew? That one was for you, bud. Been planning it all week. Here's what's scary to me. What I do right here in the next 30 minutes doesn't make me a disciple of Jesus. But we hide behind these things, don't we? And we say, well, I went to church. I must be a disciple of Jesus. I prayed a prayer once. I must be a disciple of Jesus. I I give money. I don't cuss. I don't smoke. I don't swear. That's cussing. See, I do it all. I don't, I don't smoke anymore. I'm going to move on. Moving on, right, Jack? I'm just getting lost here. So, so what does it look to be a, a disciple of Jesus? What's the path that we need to walk personally? And what's the path that when, when Jesus said, go and make disciples, do we, what, is that, what does that look for us as we walk people through discipleship? And so I just came up with, with three ideas of what that might mean. And the first path is, is that there's regeneration. Jesus says, come and follow me. And so, and so what, what, I, what I mean by regeneration is that the old life is gone and the new life has come. That, that the person, ourselves, and the person we're, we're maybe trying to disciple comes to a place of giving their life to Jesus. Salvation. But here's the way I see it. Jesus started his ministry... And he started to gather his disciples, right? And here's what he did. It says this in Matthew 4. It says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they were fishing for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two brothers, James and John, sitting in their boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called to them, come too. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boats and their father behind. And then in Matthew 9, um, Jesus was walking along. He saw a man named named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. And Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up and followed him. And as Jesus calls us to follow him... Did you notice that each one of them got up at once, got up immediately? And so if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, I need to get up and leave what my life is to follow him. And the first step is that my heart needs to be regenerated. I need to receive what Jesus did on the cross to defeat death so I could come back into relationship with the Father. And that's, that's that identity thing that I need to understand. I need to accept and I need to walk in. And as, as we make disciples, we need, to, we need to invite people to come follow Jesus. First step. If we're going to make disciples, we go out and invite them to come follow them. Remember the verse. Go and make disciples 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's, that's regeneration, a, re, a person that is new. Here's a second one. As somebody, as somebody comes into to relationship with Jesus, then there's incorporation. Now, here's where I think we go wrong. I think that we stop at regeneration with people, that we have been told or taught or this, our culture says, let's get them saved and everything will be fine. And in order to get them saved, what do we have to have them do? We have to have them pray a prayer, right? You have to come and pray a prayer. And so we've equated discipleship making with getting somebody to say a specific prayer, and then they're good. But, but there's a, a greater level that, that we're called to do with people and with ourselves in being a disciple. And that's being incorporated into the things that Jesus does. And so he takes his disciples, and he, and he goes... And, walk, and they walk with him. They follow him. They learn from him. He teaches them along the way as he does ministry. They watch him do kingdom stuff. They watch him heal people. They watch him sick people get well. They watch him debate with the Pharisees. They learn his ways And so as a disciple of Jesus, I know that I need to be fully committed to learning the ways of Jesus. And we sometimes grab that, but here's the problem. A lot of times, if we even grab that section, that we stop there. And we say, okay, we've learned about it. And we're really good in America to learn about Jesus, to talk about Jesus, to understand I need, to make, I need to be a disciple maker. I need to be a disciple. I need to make disciples. I'm going to sing about it. I'm going to pray about it. We're going to do Bible studies about it. And then it stops. And if you look in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, where Jesus is walking with his disciples, about midway through the time he has with them, he says, now your guys are going to go do the stuff that you've been seeing me do. And, and at one point he sends out 12. One point he sends out, is it 70? 70, Yeah. And he tells them, go preach the kingdom, heal the sick, cast out the demons. Basically, he says, all this that I've been teaching you to do, now go do it and then come back and talk with me. My son, I want to be the kind of dad that raises my son up to be equipped for, for life. So one of the things that I try to do, and it's painful sometimes, just probably like it was painful for my dad letting me wrench on bolts under the car, is if I'm doing a project, I make my son do it with me. He doesn't like to, but I make him. Like, come on, son, we're going to go build a dog kennel or whatever. And, and I've tried to teach my son how to do certain things in life because I want him to, when he's you know, older and adult, to be able to handle chores around the house and, and this and that. And so on my return from Russia, I get told by my parents or him that, hey, Zach put up all the shelves and built a, a, a workbench in my dad's garage. And I was like, wow, impressive. I want to see, see what that looks like. Because at 14, if you had me build a workbench, yeah, good luck. And so I asked Zach, before I ever went over to the house to see what he had done, I said, tell me you know, how you went about doing this. And I knew my parents had these big metal rack shelves that they had bought, and they needed to be attached to the wall so they could load them up and they wouldn't fall over. And he says, well, he says, I, 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 I found the studs, and I put 
I, you know, put ledger boards, put two by fours across to attach the shelves. And I said, well, how did you find the studs? Did you have a, a stud finder? He goes, well, yeah, Papa and Nana had a stud finder, but it was a really bad one. So I found the first one and then I knew I needed to measure 16 inches and then put a mark and that's where the studs would be. And I was like, that's impressive. This kid learned something. I said, well, tell me how you built the the, 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 the workbench, you know, how did you determine the height? How did you build it? He goes, well, you know, they basically measured the countertops in the house. And then he said, I built a frame out of two by fours. And then I, I attached that to the back of the wall. And then we built legs out of two by fours and, you know, put them under and we screwed them all together. And then we put some, some, some top on it. And, and, I, and he said, after it was, I was done, I got on it and I jumped on it to make sure it was sturdy. And I thought, pretty good. Now, here's the truth. I mentioned this to my mom, and she goes, you know, he really thought it was 18 inches, but I told him I thought it was 16, so he went with 16, you know, this, to find the stud. So, so we're still in the learning process, right? But I go to the house, and it was my dad's birthday, and we were celebrating his birthday. I said, I'm going to go walk out and see what, what Zach did, and I was impressed. Like, the kid did pretty darn good. Like, it's, it's awesome for, I'll just tell you, I probably wouldn't have done better. It, I'm proud of the boy, you know? But what, what, what I saw a picture of, here's a kid that, you know, I've been kind of dragging along at times, like, hey, we're going to build this, we're going to do that, and, and he picked it up. Here's, the, here's my struggle. It's easier for me to do it on my own than to teach my son how to do it. So when I say, you know, we're going to cut this board, here's a, here's a square, line it out, and then he cuts the wrong board, and it just cost me, you know, $5 for a new board. Man, I wish I would have just cut it myself. And so as we walk along in this walk with Jesus and we, we take people with us, sometimes it stinks. And sometimes we have to... Do you think that sometimes Jesus wished he was just doing it on his own? <laughs> like, when are you guys going to get it? I mean, we can read about it where he's like, when are you guys going to finally figure out what the heck's going on and just do what I'm teaching you to do? But we need to incorporate ourselves into the life of Jesus, following him. And if we're going to be disciple makers, we need to, we need to take that person who, who, is, who is fresh and who has the regenerated heart and say, now, come on, let's, we're going to walk with you as you learn about the things of God. And then we're going to push you out of the nest and let you do the things that God's called you to do. Does that make sense? So here's the third, the third path to becoming a disciple. And it's, what's it called? I'm missing a page. (laughs) Zach, do the next slide. Do the next slide. Oh, back up. We're lost. Okay. We're going to wing it here. (laughs) I wonder if some of you guys guys are thinking, don't you always wing it? Yeah, we're going to wing it here. The next one, so there's, there's regeneration, there's incorporation, and the third is, is reciprocation. And, and what I, my point in that is that we then teach or we do the things back again. You understand that? So, so we, we come and meet Jesus, we learn his ways, we practice his ways, we understand what we're supposed to do, and then we reciprocate and go back and do it again. And so, so a, a disciple of Jesus is making other Disciples of Jesus. Okay, so we could go back, Zach. Go to um, slide 14. Oh, it was there. Go to slide 14 now, bud. This is my son. We're doing, like, um, apprentice stuff right now. Um, 
Thanks, Jack. Can always count on Jack. Maybe true. Okay. So, so here's, here's what I want to show about the reciprocating, because I think, I think in these scriptures there's something that Jesus reminds us of, and, and part of it's you know, what we've read already, but th- let me just read this. It says, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciples, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father, your mother, wife and children, brother, sister, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciples. And if you if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. And so th- those sounds like harsh words, but here, here's kind of how I picture it, because we don't deal with this in our world. But I picture it like if there's, there's all these great stories of Muslims coming to Jesus. And when a Muslim comes to Jesus, they, they have to leave. They, they have to decide family, tradition, everything, or Jesus. And so they have to... If they, if when they come to Jesus, if they're going to be a true disciple of Jesus, you know, and you can you can find stories all over the internet about Muslims who've come to Jesus and how they've have they been pushed out of the family or had to leave for safe for their safety because Jesus was most important in their life. I think this is what Jesus is saying. He's not he's not saying that man, I hate you, Dad, because I'm a Jesus follower. It's it's I'm choosing Jesus over everything else, including my own life. Okay, that's to pick up the cross and follow me. Verse 28 says, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's that person who started that building, and he couldn't afford to finish it. And then, just for sake of time, it goes on. He uses another illustration. Verse 33 says this, you cannot become my disciple with it without giving up everything you own. So here's the, here's the two things I pull from that. The first one is that we need to count the cost, and, and you know, kind of backwards to how the scripture goes, but we need to count the cost, and, and, and then we go back to the self-denial, self-sacrifice in order to be a disciple of Jesus. And I think that when we come to Jesus, or when we bring somebody to Jesus, and we say, hey, pray a prayer, then you could go to heaven. There's not a whole lot of cost there, is there? There's, there's, a, there's a lot of to gain in that. And, and we, we fall short. I think, I think we cheapen what God did on the cross by walking in that, in that attitude because I think that we have been invited by God to, to, and, and equipped and given the ability to go out and bring other people into Jesus, into relationship with him, and walk with him, and for it to reciprocate person to person to person. But when we just say prayer, prayer, and, and everything's going to be wonderful, we, we, we miss that point. And if, if we really understand to be a Christ follower, I have to be willing to deny myself. I have to be willing to self-sacrifice. I think Jesus is just saying, you got to press into this. Here's what I think was happening. I think a large crowd was following Jesus because they thought he was doing really cool stuff that they were like, man, this guy, let's just go hang out and see the show because something big is about to happen. I think sometimes we come to church for those reasons. Like, man, the worship is incredible at that church. You should go there because you're going to feel really good. Or the pastor's going to say something that's going to make you feel really good. And that's not the cost Jesus has asked us to count. He said, if you're going to count the cost, you're going to have to deny 
a lot of your will to be my follower. You're going to have to leave your life to follow me. Now, here's the benefit, obviously, is eternity. The benefit is fruit in our lives of other people coming to Jesus. And so regeneration, incorporation, reciprocation. If we're going to be disciples of Jesus, where do we sit in that? Where do you sit in that? Is your heart regenerated? Have you come into a place where you've said yes to Jesus and the, and the gift he offers you of freedom from the sin of this world, freedom from the bondage, and back into being a child of God? Have you said yes? Because that's, that's like step one for any of us to being a disciple. If you say yes and you say, man, I got that down, that yes. I am a child of God, then are you incorporated into the things of Jesus? Are you in the mix of what God's doing? Are you connected? Are you pressing in? Are you learning? Are you walking with others? Are you doing the things that Jesus has equipped us to do? Here's what Paul said about the self-denial. I just don't want to miss it. Are we good, Zach? Slide 20, buddy. Galatians, he says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Another one of those verses that's like, wow, that's a lot. There's a lot to do there. But these are the things that that we at Branches endeavor to do. And in order for us to do it and make disciples in Warsaw, it's an individual step. We can't just all say, yep, we're disciples, let's go do it. We individually have to make that decision for our life, walk in that, and then we come together, and then we go do the things that God's allowing us to do for his kingdom. So so there you go. Here's what I wanted to do with this message. I wanted to preach this message before next week's message, because we talk about what does it mean to make disciples. Here's what it means. We get them saved. We teach them, we walk with them, we, we incorporate them in, we encourage them to go back and do it. That's a nutshell of what we do. But, but here's the, the big question. How do we get people saved? How do we cross that first line to getting, to, to getting people saved? This is a, a conversation I've been having with people like, how do I talk with the guy in the cubicle next to me? How do I, how do we, how do I break that subject, broach Broach, is that a word? Broach the subject. How do I broach the subject? Sound cool, huh? How do we do that? When's the right time? And, and so I want you guys to be just thinking about your place as a disciple. Are you walking with somebody? Are you making disciples? And then next week, what, what I'm hoping to do is say, here's some, here's some real biblical strategy to introducing Jesus to people. Okay? So why don't you stand with me? I kept it closer to the 35 minute than the 75 minutes. So the tomatoes are safe. I want to just circle back around to this what what I said at the beginning about um, about being a child of God and being able to embrace that personally. And I think that sometimes because of life situations when we talk about God being our father or us being children, or us being loved, we can look back on junk of our lives and say, how can anybody love me? 
How can, a, how can there be a loving father? And I, I just want to encourage you that if, if in any way, you, when, you, when we sing a song like what we sing, you're just like, I don't believe that. That's impossible. Would you get prayer today? Would you come up and just simply tell the people standing here, I struggle with seeing God as my father. And I think what the people will do here is they'll pray with you and just encourage you and and ask God to to love you in a way. And I'm telling the people who are praying this morning, whoever you are, if somebody comes up and says that to you, would you pray, God, would you show them love that they've never received so that they know that I love them? Those that are praying, I don't know who it is, but pray that prayer if somebody comes up and says, I just need to know that that I'm a child of God, okay? And... um, if you have any other need, prayer need, um, whatever it is, there's people up here that want to join with you. And, uh, and then we'll have a, a final song of worship, and then we'll go have barbecue and have fun. So, so pray with me. So, Father, we, uh, we love you, Lord. God, I think it's, I think it's exciting that you have, have allowed us and, and inc- included us in your great plan of redemption. That's awesome, Lord, because I think you could just do it. But you've said you want your family to be a part of what you're doing. And, and, and for today, in this place, in this time of history, you've said, it's me. I get to, Tom, you get to be a part of what I'm doing. And everybody in here gets to be a part of what, what you're doing. And you, you've included us, Lord. You've equipped us. And you've, you've invited us and said, go do it. God, I, I just want to pray against anything that would say, no, I, I'm not capable of doing that because we know that's lies because we know that you, you do the work through us. Lord, would you just, um, would you let that sink into the hearts of each person here of, of who they are in you? Father, would you have us be people that would take honest assessments of ourselves and make honest commitments to being a disciple and to making disciples. And Lord, we do this because we love you. We do this because we, we understand how great you are in our lives, and we want to be in that relationship. Amen.